You're listening to a sermon from Tyler Christian Fellowship in Tyler, Texas. Find us on the web at tcftyler.com or send us an email, tcftyler at gmail.com. I want to thank you for being here. I know that if you're visiting for the first time, it can be um, challenging to find a place and to just make that commitment or that effort to get up and go and uh, to continue to search for a church, and if you're here this morning, we just want to welcome you among us. We hope you feel at home here, and uh, that you just experience the presence of the Lord uh, in this place and experience the love of God, and uh, so just, uh, we know, like Caleb said, that uh, you may be new to us, but uh, your Heavenly Father knows you. He knows how to speak to you this morning, so just relax, uh, just make yourself at home, and just receive all that He has for you this morning, amen? All right, well, we have no other announcements this morning, so we're going to go ahead and let the children be released to children's ministry at this time. They make a stampede for the door. Let's go ahead and bow our heads in prayer and just bless them as they go out and just pray over them and their teachers. Father, we love you. We thank you for our children. We thank you for the inheritance that they are. Thank you for the stewardship that you've given us over them. Lord, we just speak a blessing over them as they go out this morning, uh, that, Father, you would just, by the work of the Holy Spirit, prepare their hearts to receive the word of the Lord, that it would go in, that it would be planted, and that in the days to come, Lord God, it would bear fruit, Lord God, that lasts to eternity. And, Lord, we speak a blessing not only over our children, but over their teachers who've sacrificed their time this morning and who've given of their talents and their efforts, Lord God, to minister over our children. Pour out grace upon them, refresh them, Lord God, uh, even as they make it possible for us to be in here being refreshed. Lord, we love you. We give you praise for all things. In the mighty name of Jesus, all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, this morning, I'm going to share kind of a one-off message with you. Uh, We are about to start a really great Christmas series uh, that I'm really excited about uh, next Sunday. And um, it's going to be great. Uh, This is always one of my favorite times of year whenever we kind of close one year out and begin to look forward to the next year. And this Christmas series is going to be really good, uh, really powerful. And again, I want to reiterate what Caleb was saying. If you're available this Wednesday, man, come up here and help us decorate the church. We're going to have fun. Who, Who in here has an ugly Christmas sweater? Well, who has a pretty Christmas sweater? All right. Well, both are welcome. So bring, put on your Christmas sweater, come up here, we're going to have food, snacks, we're going to put the tree up, we're going to decorate this place. If your small group doesn't already have plans, I mean, plan to be here, it's going to be awesome. So um, if you have any questions about that, you can see Cindy over here uh, for details. Um, this morning, like I said, I'm going to preach a one-off message this morning, not connected to any series, but I feel like it's something that the Lord had shown me uh, a while back and really draw, drew out for me and impressed upon my heart. And, uh, and I really feel like it's something that God wants to, um, to lay up on your heart this morning as well. And um, this is, like I said, one of my favorite times of year because we're looking forward to Christmas. And there's a lot of anticipation about that. But also, for some reason, during Thanksgiving holiday and Christmas holiday, we tend to get really reflective. We start thinking back over the year. We kind of do that year-end rewind. And we take a look back. And, you know, the TV programs do that, too. Um, There's, you know, shows on about, you know, all the celebrities that passed away this year and uh, the top 
20 songs of the year and the top whatever viral moments of the year. There's all those year-end review type shows going on. And so we get really reflective whenever we're, you know, kind of coming to the finish line of a year. And, um, and it's good. We actually did some of that last Sunday whenever we had our testimony service. You know, we just spent time um, hearing from various people in the body who the Lord had moved in their lives and who had experienced breakthrough and had seen uh, the faithfulness of God in, in just many different ways. And um, so we do that, you know, we do that as well. But I don't know if you're hardwired this way. I know I am. This time of year, I also begin to think about what's next. Like I start thinking not only about where we've been, but I start already ramping up for January. I begin to think about what I want to do different in the next year. What's God calling me to in the next year? What are the new adventures that God has for us in the next year? Uh, what, are the, what are the opportunities that God's going to unveil for us as a body and for us as individuals? I begin to think that way in December. I begin to kind of think forward into the next year. And, um, you know, as I do that, and we do that collectively as a body and as a, uh, you know, a group of people, there's really a lot in front of us. There's some exciting things coming uh, in the month of January. So I just want to, you know, give you just a foretaste, you know, uh, just to kind of get, just whet your appetite. It's so easy, and maybe it could just be me, but I know it's so easy to slip into that holiday malaise and just kind of put it in cruise control through the holidays, and then it's like you have to ramp yourself back up again for the new year to kind of reconnect and and get going in in new directions. I want to maybe challenge you or inspire you to stay motivated through the holidays, stay inspired, and stay ready for what God has in front of us because it's going to be great year. I'm excited. There's a few things that I wrote down this morning as I was thinking. Um, as we're closing out this year, one of the things I'm excited about, we just, uh, there was a changing of the guard in our children's director, our children's pastor. Becky Burton has stepped up and taken that position. She'll be leading our children in a new direction in the, in the new year, has already started and will continue to do so in the new year. We're going to be adding some new deacons and elders this year. Uh, that are going to come in with new gifts and new visions and new callings on their lives. We always, that always blesses us so tremendously when we do that. Um, my wife, Emily, stepped up and became the secretary. She's going to be our new secretary in the coming years, so that's awesome. There's lots of new ministry ideas that are coming forth already from the hearts of our people. God's beginning to stir and bring up new ideas, new, um, new direction. I'm really excited about that. Um, this is a big one. This year, this church is going to be um, really, critically, highly involved in a bringing one of the biggest crusades to Tyler that's ever hit Tyler. The Luis Palau Crusade uh, is coming to Tyler this year, and our church is playing a vital role uh, to help bring, uh, along with other churches in Tyler, we're coming together to help bring Luis Palau to Tyler, and we're just and it's going to be down on the square in downtown Tyler. It's going to be amazing. Uh, you're going to be hearing more about that in the coming uh, months ahead of how we're going to be involved in that and what our part's going to be. So that's awesome. I mean, we're just believing God for revival and for big things, not only for this church, but for the city of Tyler. Um, so many other things. We'll be kicking off the new year, as we always do. The month of January will be a season of fasting and praying. As leaders, we always, as the leaders of the body as well as all, all members, we come together 
um, during the month of January, and we seek the face of God, and we fast and we pray for the first six weeks of the new year uh, for vision and for, uh, just to see, to just capture God's heart for the next year. So that's coming in January. There's so many things to look forward to. Um, I could stand here for another hour and just tell you all the stuff that's coming. But I just want to just give you that little snapshot, that little foretaste, so that you can stay ready. Let's not put it in cruise control, and I'm speaking to myself when I say that, man. Let's use December to ramp up our hearts for what is coming, because it's going to be amazing. So this morning, I'm going to share a message that kind of goes along uh, with that theme of staying on the ready. I've titled the sermon this morning, Battle Ready, and it's from the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17, very familiar story to us about David and Goliath. Most of us have heard the story of David and Goliath from the time we were little if you grew up in church, but if you didn't, it's okay. I'm going to give you the microwave version this morning, the short catch-you-up version uh, as we prepare to launch in and see uh, see what the Lord has for us this morning. Um, But there's three things that as we look at the life of David up to that battle that I really felt like the Lord drew out for me uh, uh, a few months ago when I was studying this. He really drew it out for me and impressed upon my heart that this is what he wants for each one of us. Because these three characteristics are necessary, not only for the good things that lie ahead, the opportunities and the, and the cool stuff that's going to be going down this year, but listen, you know that whenever there's good stuff coming, there's going to be opposition, right? We, we're not naive, right? Whenever we set our hands to serve the Lord or seek the Lord or press in, there is always a resistive force, and it can become a battle, that we have to fight and that we have to work our way through. So I share these things with you this morning to encourage you and to um, impress upon your heart. There's three things that we see in the life of David that I really believe that God wants to see and bring forth in our lives as well as we enter into a new year. And here they are. God wants his people, number one, to be ready. Number two, to be real. And number three, to be relentless. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you. We're excited for all that lies ahead of us, Lord God. Uh, in the, as we close out this year and as we look into the year that's ahead. So, Father, as you speak to us, Lord God, would you just, by the power of the Holy Spirit, bring your word to life. Let it minister to each one of us, wherever we are right now with you in our various situations, call us up, call us out, challenge us forward, and we respond to all that you want to do through this word today. In the name of Jesus, all God's people said, amen, amen. So just to kind of catch you up on the story of David and Goliath, just a real quick summary. Uh, You'll remember Samuel was a prophet of Israel, and Samuel was called by the Lord to go and seek out the next king of Israel. Saul had been appointed the first king of Israel, and he had failed miserably. So God tells Samuel to go, to stop mourning for Saul and his failure, and to go. He's going to send him to the next king. So he sends him to the house of Jesse in Bethlehem. And so Saul, uh, Samuel comes to Jesse's house, and he asks Jesse you know, to present his sons. So Jesse brings forth his sons, and if you remember David had seven older brothers that were much bigger, stronger, 
uh, and better suited from the outside appearance to be king. So if you remember the story, Samuel, uh, Jesse has each one of his sons pass in front of Samuel, and Samuel's looking and judging each one of his sons to see, is this the one the Lord is calling to be the next king? Each son comes, the first one comes, and Samuel's like, oh, that's got to be him. You know, he's big, strong, you know, attractive, that's got to be him. And the Lord tells him real quick, I don't judge that way. I don't look at the outside. I'm looking at the heart. So six more brothers pass. Each one the Lord rejects as king. So Samuel says, well, surely uh, there's got to be somebody else. I know I didn't miss the Lord on this. He sent me here. And Jesse says, well, I got one son left, but he's out tending sheep. Well, bring him in. He comes in. David comes in. He's short. He's not near the stature of these other guys. He's young. He's really young. Uh, most people speculate that he's about, you know, anywhere from 13 to 15 years of age. Um, just a boy. But he comes in, and Samuel sees the favor of the Lord on David. He just sees it on him, and he says, this is God's man. Anoints David as the next king of Israel and leaves. And David goes back to tending the sheep. So that's that. Well, David just continues to live his life and carry out his duties. Saul, still being the king of Israel, um, the Philistines come out to attack Israel. Saul takes the army of Israel down into the valley uh, to meet against the army, of, to defend themselves against the Philistine attack. And the battle lines are drawn up. David is still with his uh, father Jesse, tending sheep. But he's at this time serving kind of as a runner between his dad and his brothers. So his dad sends David with some supplies to his three brothers, oldest brothers who are out on the battlefield. David goes, he carries the supplies, he gets out. And when David comes up on the scene, the battle line is drawn and this big, ugly giant, big, big guy, Goliath, is standing out in the middle between both armies and he's challenging the army of Israel, to send out a man to fight him. He's mocking him. He's mocking their God. And he's saying, if you'll just send a challenger out and let us fight, if he beats me, we'll all surrender to you. Well, David comes on the scene, and he's listening to this. And something rises up within him. There's an indignation that rises up within him. It's like, wait a minute. You guys just going to stand by and let this guy mock you and mock more importantly, our God? Well, who is this guy? And so they start telling David, well, this guy comes out and he does it every day. And King Saul told us that whoever wants to take this guy on, if they can beat him, uh, his family will be rewarded. Um, they won't have to ever pay taxes. And the king is going to give him his daughter. David's like, sounds like a pretty good deal. Not only that, he can't stand by and listen to this anymore. So he's, he's like, I'm, I'm in. Well, the king's servant is standing by, one of the king's servants is standing by and takes David into Saul's court, takes him into the uh, king's court. And that's where we're going to pick the story up. He tells Saul that, don't worry, help us here. So this is uh, 1 Samuel 17, 32 through 38. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And Saul replied, you're not able to go out and, uh, against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. 
And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from, sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, well, go, and the Lord be with you. So I'm going to talk about the first thing that we see in David's heart that I believe the Lord wants to see in our hearts as we come into these times of battle and into these times of needing to face the challenges that are in front of us um, the right way. And that is David was ready for this moment. The book of Psalms, almost over half of those Psalms were written by David. And the book of Psalms is a book of worship. Those are some of the best worship songs ever written. And one thing that we learn when we read the book of Psalms is that David was a worshiper. David knew the heart of God. David was intentional to connect with the heart of God. Even from the time he was a youth, the Bible says that he was anointed. He was an anointed musician. He was skilled. And even when he played for Saul, he had an anointing on him that would break off the oppression and drive, out, drive away evil spirits from Saul. David was a worshiper, and he had the heart of a worshiper. And one thing that we read as we read through the Psalms, we read David not only worshiped in the good times, David worshiped in the bad times. When David was worried, he worshiped. When David was scared, he worshiped. When David was joyful, he worshiped. When David was sick, he worshiped. When David was regretful, he worshiped. And what we, what we glean as we read through the Psalms is that this is a man who through every season and phase and circumstance of life never failed to put himself in the presence of the Lord in worship. I believe that David's strength came from those encounter moments. He stayed in positions of readiness because of his time in the presence of the Lord. I, I don't know about you guys, but especially, like Tinder was saying, during this time, of season, this, this time of the year, this season of the year, there are so many things going on that I find it easy to let those kind of times with the Lord, those encounter times with the Lord where I consecrate that time of devotion to him, it's easy to let that slide. You've been there? You know what I'm talking about? It's just so easy. There's so many things in our lives going on that it's easy to allow that precious time with him to slide. Um, a few months ago, I was, um, I, was, I was in a real good season, you know, of, of really having some powerful encounters with God just making that time to be in his presence and spending just uh, uh, time worshiping him. Um, really had just, just consecrated every day, you know, all throughout the day. I was just unto him. I was like, you know, I'm just going to go for it. And during that season, I remember so many cool things that happened that God led me to and used me to do. Um, 
and one of those times, um, there was a lady that was a patient of mine that I was going out to see, and um, this poor lady had a, had a really, really um, serious um, infection in two of her toes. In fact, her toes were just black, necrotic, and the tissue had pretty much died, and she wasn't getting any circulation to her foot because she had an occluded uh, artery in her leg. It was, and so she had a lot of issues going on, and the doctor had told her um, that she was going to lose those two toes very likely. He had pretty much told her at the last visit that uh, it was a matter of time before he was going to have to take them off. So she's sharing this with me as I'm there uh, visiting her, and I said, uh, you know, we had, been, we had talked a little bit about faith, so I knew that she was a believer, and uh, she's a cool believer. She was a biker and uh, just a really cool, cool lady of God. And um, so I knew where she stood faith-wise, and I said, listen, um, I just really feel compelled to, to lay hands on this foot and pray for it. Would you mind if I did that? And she said, sure, that'd be awesome. So um, I anointed her toes. And I prayed over her toe, and as I'm praying, I'm also praying, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I just say, uh, just open this artery up, let there be just good circulation. And even as I'm praying, she's responding, and she's, you know, we finished praying, she said, I felt heat travel all the way up my leg as you were praying. And I said, awesome, sometimes that means God is working right now in this moment. She's like, well, okay, let's just believe for it. So, um, Two or three weeks went by, and I didn't get to see her again. Um, I wasn't sent back out that way. Well, about three weeks later, I went back out and, to see her, and she said, uh, <laughs> when I got there, she's standing on her feet. and She said, I'm so glad to see you. You're not going to believe this. And so we go over, and she sits down in her chair, and she pulls her sock off. And these two toes that had been solid black, I mean, they were the worst that I they're probably the worst necrotic tissue I'd ever seen. We're now as pink as my fingers. And she said, God did this. He did this. And I said, amen, he did. And she had just gone to the doctor like the day before. And the doctor looked at her. And she said, my doctor was just beside himself. And he was just so excited. And uh, she said, and I told him, Jesus did this. And I said, yeah, that's right. She said, I spent that, she said, I spent that time in his office just sharing the Love of God with him and testifying. I was like, that is what it's all about, man. So we had this awesome, yay, God moment, you know, just celebration moment. And then I left her house. What had happened over those last two to three weeks, though, before I came back and got that good news? I'm just going to be transparent here. I began to drift. Football season happened. I'm sort of a Cowboys fan. And so I had begun to lose the zeal that I had that day that I went to her house. And I had begun to invest a large majority of my time just really listening to Cowboys, podcasts, the latest updates. You know, I'd kind of sort of just began to drift. So over the next two to three weeks, that fire just kind of died down. And I felt it slide, I just felt it sliding and when I came to her house and had that moment with her, it was like, boom! It was like the door just swung wide open again. And like God is like, come on! And I left her house reconnected to the power of God. 
reconnected to the presence of God. And man, I got in my car and I just began to thank the Lord for that victory. I began to thank the Lord for her healing. And I praised God, I'm not even exaggerating, from Winsboro down to Quitman, down to Mineola, down to Lindale. I prayed in the spirit, I sang, you name it, man. I was just let, letting God have the glory. God was speaking to me. It was like the lines of communication were like reestablished. God was dropping prophetic stuff in my heart for like that, for that week. It was amazing. And I'm like, Cowboys who? Like, it's like God just like, come on, wake up, you know, just got my attention and brought me back to square one. How vital that time is with him, how vital it is to stay connected to him, to stay connected to the source. Amen? And that's what I see in David's heart. I see a guy who is connected. I see a guy who is ready for these kind of moments because he's been with God. He knows the power of God. And what did he tell Saul? Remember what he told him? He said, look, you know, Saul's like, you're going to get killed. And David said, look, when I was out watching sheep and a lion and a bear came, I went after it. And by the power of God, I killed it. And he said, the same God who rescued me from the lion and from the bear is going to rescue me from him. Like David was a man who had been with God. He experienced God. He experienced God's power. He experienced God's presence. It wasn't theoretical. It was real. And that's what God wants to give us. That's what he wants us to stay immersed in. Not the theory of who he is. Not the knowledge of who he is. The experience of him, of his presence, of his power. He doesn't just want us to know about him. He wants us to know him. Amen? So that's what I want to encourage us with. As we look at 2019 and all that lies ahead, man, I'm just challenging you. I'm just challenging myself. Let's make time every day to just marinate our spirits in his presence and be filled with his power and be filled with his passion. And let's go out and do what looks impossible. Amen? So the next uh, thing that God, I believe, wants to draw out, yeah, be ready. Be ready. Let's take a look at 1 Samuel 17, 38, 40 for the next one. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head, and David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he wasn't used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose five smooth stones from the stream, and he put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag. And with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. The second characteristic or the second quality that I think that God really wants to draw out in us and, and that he wants us to, um, to walk in in the new year is this. Be real. Be real. He wants us to be real. And what I mean by that is when you look at this, uh, Saul wanted to put his armor on David. Now, there's a word in there for equippers and those who are being equipped. 
There's a word in there for us, for both categories. For equippers, for those who are called to disciple and lead and minister and empower others, the word is this. Don't put your armor on them. God created them. God uniquely created them and instilled in them gifts and passions and abilities and callings that are their own. And maybe you've seen this in ministry or maybe you've seen this in other ways when heavy-handedly people want to put their armor on the people that are following them and make them wear it. And what happens? Suddenly what was an advantage for them becomes a disadvantage for their followers, just like it did for David. It didn't assist him in any way. It slowed him down because it wasn't who he was. It wasn't who he was. So as, a, as someone who disciples or leads or uh, your job is to equip others, one of, the most, one of the best things that we can do is to recognize the value of each person's gift that we're leading, their gifts, and to not lay upon them a heavy, the heaviness of our armor and, and assume that they have to walk in that before they will be successful, but to rather recognize that God's hand is on them and they are crafted uniquely and individually for his purposes. And our job as an equipper or somebody, or somebody who leads or disciples is to see those things in them and draw them out and empower them to use them. Amen? Now, for those being equipped, here's the lesson. Don't try to fight your battles in somebody else's armor. I've been there. I've tried it. You see something that works for somebody else, or you see their ministry or their calling or their gifting or their thing, and you're like, well, I'll just do that. It's working out for them. And so you do your best to, to do what they're doing. And you end up like David with a bunch of gear on you and a bunch of burden on you and a bunch of stuff on you that you weren't made to carry. It's heavy. It's a burden you were never meant to carry. And you're going to try to go out and fight a battle in something you're not suited for. God created each one of us very, very uniquely. And God gave you a heart for some things and a passion for some things. And he's gifted you. He's given you the Holy Spirit. And, and you've got access to all kinds of spiritual gifts that are available for you. What we need to do, especially as we press into the next year, is to bring our hearts before the Lord and say, Lord, who am I? Not who am I trying to be, not who do I want to be, who am I? Who do you say that I am, and what do you want me to do? What's my job? What's my responsibility? What's my ministry? What's, what, what do you have for me? So don't try to fight your battles in someone else's armor. You say amen to that? That's a losing situation every time. So David, we pick this up, uh, the rest of the story, as we transition here to the third one. David, instead, he took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones from the stream and he put them in, a, in the pouch of his shepherd's bag and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you 
in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I'll give your carcass, I'll give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And all those uh, gathered here will know that it is not by sword and it's not by spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. Say that with me. The battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. And reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. And without a word, without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and he killed him. So the third thing that we see in David that I really want us to press into this year as we move into a new year is this. David is relentless and God wants his people to be relentless. You know what the word means. What does it mean to relent? Give in, to quit. Relentless means there's no quitting here. There's no quitting. There's no stopping. Why? Why was David able to move forward? Why was David fearless and relentless? What was it about him? Look at this. David ran quickly toward the battle. Are you kidding me? He's like four foot nothing. Five foot nothing, he's going out to meet a nine foot nine giant. I don't know about you guys, but I don't know that I'd be running towards him. But there was something in David that was confident that the battle belonged to the Lord, that he wasn't going to do this in his own strength, that when he got to the battle, when, that in his eyes, that giant was as good as dead. And he ran towards the battle. He ran to the battle. Man, I'm like, God, let that be my battle cry for 2019. Don't let me tiptoe towards things that are hard. Don't let me, you know, sheepishly ease up on things that are challenging. But God, let me move in the grace that I know is there. Let me move in the power of the Holy Spirit that I know is available because I've experienced it again and again and again, I've seen your faithfulness. I've seen your victory. I've seen you move. I've seen you do things that I could never do. Let me move forward in that kind of confidence this year. Todd White calls it Godfidence. I like that. Godfidence. Let me move forward in that kind of Godfidence this year without fear, without trepidation. There's something that we'll miss here if we're not careful that I want to highlight as we get ready to come to a close, and we're going to spend a little bit of time in prayer here this morning, so I want to reserve some time for that. Worship team, if y'all want to go ahead and come on up. There's something here that I want us to take a look at that if we're not careful, uh, we'll miss it. In 1 Samuel 17, 38, it says, Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose five smooth stones. 
Now, there's been a lot of speculation over the years that I've heard. I've heard people say, well, why did he choose five? He only needed one. And I've heard every kind of answer. I've heard, well, Goliath had four other brothers, you know, so, well, um, so on and so forth. I've heard, I've heard some not-so-great answers. And the problem with those answers is it's a Western, um, mostly American way of reading the Scripture and trying to figure out why five smooth stones. But the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and it was written to Hebrews, mostly. And in the Hebrew language and culture, numbers meant stuff. They carried meaning just like words. And so you may have noticed, like, when you read through the Old Testament, you see some common numbers that seem to keep reappearing. The number 40 uh, is a big one. Uh, Number 8, number 7. 5 is also many, many times throughout the Old Testament. You want to do, do a cool study? Just, just go study the, what the first ten numbers in, mean in Hebrew, numbers one through ten. And as you're reading, maybe you're going to read the Bible for the first, you know, read it all the way through this year. Carry, put that in your Bible. Put, put, numbers, put one through ten and the definition of what those numbers mean or the meaning they carry in Hebrew as you're working your way through the Old Testament. It will open your eyes to some things that you might have missed before. But the number five here is really, really relevant. Why did David choose five smooth stones? Because the number five in Hebrew means that it's the number that represents God's grace and favor towards mankind. That's what the number five represents to the, in the Hebrew language and the Hebrew culture. So think about this. Saul tried to put his clunky armor on David and load him down with something, with, with a, with a get-up that was going to require him to fight in his own strength. David rejected that, walks out the door, and goes out to the stream and sticks his hand into the water and draws grace, grace. Not his own strength, but the grace that he's going to need for the battle. There's something so significant about that for us as we get ready to turn the corner and enter into a new year. How many battles have you tried to fight this year wearing a suit of armor that's going to require you to fight in your own strength? How many battles have you tried to fight this year in somebody else's armor? How many battles have you faced this year just gritting your teeth and white-knuckling it and trying to figure it out? I believe that as we move forward into a new year, God wants us to do exactly what David did. JB admonished, encouraged us to do it this morning, to stick out our hands and to receive grace I believe that God wants to remind us this morning of what Paul reminded the Corinthian church of my grace is sufficient for you for my power my strength is made perfect in your weakness but if you choose to put on somebody else's armor and go to war 
or if you choose to stand in your own strength against the stuff that we're going to be going up against in 2019, there's no victory in that. But if you choose to embrace the grace of God and the power of God that goes with you, that's going to go before you, you are going to see the impossible become possible. Do you believe that this morning? Let's stand to our feet. I just want to encourage you right now as we pause to pray for a moment. If the things that I've said, some of the things I've said to you this morning are hitting you in the heart or, you know, maybe, you, maybe you're like me and you just are in a season where you've been busy and been distracted or been focusing on other things and you haven't been to the well of God's presence, now's the time. You need to reconnect your heart with his heart this morning. And you need to reach in like David did and draw grace again. Draw what you need from him. His arms are open. His hands are open. And he wants to give it to you this morning. If you're here this morning and you're like, God, I believe you're calling me towards things this year. And I want to walk in those things. I want to I face down those giants. I want to overcome those challenges. But I need you. I just need to know you're here. I need to know you're with me. God is here. He wants to remind you of that this morning. So I'm going to invite you this morning to just come, to spend time. As JB leads us in worship, I want to just encourage you to come and spend time at the altar. Emily and I will be available here in the front to pray with you if you need it. But I want to encourage you to just come down and spend time presence of the Lord and to reconnect your heart with his, to dig deep, to drop your bucket in the well of grace that's available to you this morning because he loves you. He's with you. He's got what you need this morning. So let's, let's pray. Father, we turn our hearts to you right now in this moment. We just say that we need you, Lord. We have nothing, Lord, apart from you. Lord, you have everything that we need. And we just come into agreement this morning with your word that your power, Lord, is made perfect in our weakness. So, Father, in this moment, we admit our weakness before you. We admit that we need you. We, we admit, Lord God, we need strength. We need power. We need wisdom. Father, we reconnect our heart with your heart so father as we do that in this moment would you come would you meet with every heart lord god and would you would you remind us again who we are and who you are we love you jesus in your name we pray so just come now just come and Spend time with the Lord. He's here. He's available. He's ready. You hear me when I call. You are my morning song. Though darkness fills the night, it cannot hide the light. Whom shall I fear? You crush the enemy underneath my feet 
You are my sword and shield, though trouble lingers still. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. The one who reigns forever. He is a friend of mine. The God of angel armies is always by my side. My strength is in your name. For you alone can save, you will deliver me. Yours is the victory. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind the God of angel armies is always by my side. The one who reigns forever, he is a friend of mine. The God of angel armies is always by my side. And nothing formed against me shall You hold the whole world in your hands. I'm holding on to your promises. You are faithful. You are faithful. You are faithful. I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. The one who reigns forever, he is a friend of mine. The God of angel armies is always by my side. going to remain here for a little bit longer um, after the service for anyone who needs prayer this morning or you just want to spend time up here praying. Um, JB will stay up here and, and uh, continue to play for a while, so we'll be available to you if you need prayer. But I uh, just want to encourage you this morning. God's releasing grace over your life. God has big plans for you this year. Don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. 
walk in the power and the grace that God has made available to you. He loves you and he's called you to great things this year. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the way you love us. We thank you that before us, every giant will fall because of your great name, the name of Jesus. We thank you that we don't have to fear. We thank you, Father, that we can walk in boldness, that we can walk in confidence, and that we can walk in absolute freedom, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that 2019 is going to be an amazing year, not just at Tyler Christian Fellowship, but in the body of Christ around the world. We believe, Lord God, that this year you are going to move in the earth, Lord God, in powerful ways. We believe this year that we're going to see more captives set free, Lord God. We believe this year, Lord, that you're going to manifest your power and presence around the earth, Lord God, as never before. And we're excited that we get to be a part of it. So we say thank you, Lord Jesus. Inspire our hearts this morning. Send us out of here, Lord God with hope, Lord God, to share with someone else who desperately needs it. God, we love you, we thank you, and we give you all the glory right now for all that you're doing and for all that you're going to do. In the mighty name of Jesus, all God's people said, amen, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Where sin runs deep, your grace is